0: Your weekend begins in Crystal Palate's Wine Country with sommelier Crystal Cameron Shad. Every week, Crystal takes your palate on a journey from the vineyard to the glass and opens your mind to the endless choices that await your next sip. Uncork your passion starting now on your trip through wine country on Seabill 1075 and 1260 WCHV.
1: On the show today, Stephanie Wright from Lovingston Winery will be joining us in just a moment. Stephanie is an assistant winemaker, manager, daughter of the owner. She wears many hats over there. Now, if you've never been to Lovingston, it's located about 45 minutes south of Charlottesville, down Route 29. And uh, we'll be talking about a lot of great things in the program today. In particular, I'm going to pick Stephanie's brain a little bit about Pinotage, which is an obscure grape variety from uh, South Africa. And we're not seeing a lot of it in Virginia, but they're seeing a ton of success with Pinotage down at Lovingston and uh, the family also bleeds orange and blue and they're paying a little homage to uh, UVA as well and uh, and one of their special red wines so we're going to talk about that too and a little later in the program we're talking about the keurig of wines our friend Joe Thomas filed a special report from Las Vegas at the Consumer Electronics Show about this new wine phenomenon and he'll let us know when it will be available in the states but up first today we want to welcome Stephanie
2: to the program Stephanie thanks so much for coming by the studio today thank you for having us crystal we're really I'm, I'm excited to to be here. Lovingston's excited to be represented here. So. Wonderful. We're just seeing um,
1: so many amazing Virginia wineries. People are really starting to uh, pay attention and the growth has been amazing. I moved to Virginia in 2006 and to see the growth over the past 10 years has been remarkable. And I know your family uh, came to Virginia uh, to start the wine,
2: uh, to start their winemaking ventures in uh, 2002, right? Correct. So we were um, the 100th bonded winery in the state of Virginia. That's and a nice now number. It is, yeah. And now here we are at New nearly three hundred or so. So in that, you know, short fifteen or so year mm-hmm. span it's just been astronomical growth. But um we we moved up here after uh, playing around with a little bit of a, a vineyard in northern Georgia um and grew vinifera varietals down there and Unfortunately, in a dry county and uh, really fun state support and really warm winters, it was not a good spot to be growing, growing fruit or at least successfully making some really solid wines.
1: That could pose quite a challenge. It
2: can. Yes. So um, so we moved up here in 2002, and my dad had taken about a year to find the correct site he wanted. He, he looked high and low um, all over the central Virginia area to find what he really wanted for a, a gentle slope and uh, found it on Josie's Knoll. And I understand
1: there's quite a history behind the vineyard site as well.
2: Correct. So Josie's Knoll, um, it's named after um a little lady Josephine who um back in the early 1900s constructed the the two up two down portion of the existing farmhouse on the property and her family owned it all the way until uh we purchased it in 2002. And actually the name of the family was the Wright family, so no relation to me, but um it was uh it was the Wright family and uh they are still good friends of ours today, and still live out in Amherst and Nelson counties. But, um, but that land was named for her, and it's never, never was planted as an orchard. It was never a tobacco farm. It was never anything else. So we decided that that needed to be her vineyard site. So the general name of the property is Josie's Knoll, and. On our labels, if that's what's on the front label, then it's 100% estate grown, which all of our fruit is. So,
1: and as far as your production, you're roughly around 1,800 cases,
2: Correct. Per so year, very small. Um, we have about two. We have two main uh, vineyard plots, each about five to six acres apiece. Um, so the first plot was planted in 2003, and subsequent plot was planted in 07, 2009, 11. We're still planting this year, so we do plan to expand off of that, but uh, but that's what we're working with right now.
1: We're going to talk about a little bit, uh, take a deeper dive into the actual portfolio and all mm-hmm. the wines you produce um, in your vineyard site. But let's talk a little bit about um, kind of the vision and the history. You know, your dad was kind of a hobbyist. He started mm-hmm. in Georgia. And uh, what was it about Virginia that was so attractive to your dad? And, uh, you know, what was his background and why did he want to get into the wine business?
2: Well, his, his background really was just enjoying wine. So he uh, has no formal training, had no formal, no formal training in vineyards, wineries, management of those, et cetera. But it had a lot of experience in sales, marketing, all of that stuff, um, entrepreneurship, uh, et cetera, throughout his life. And uh, he convinced my mother after reading an ad for a vineyard in the back of a Wine Spectator magazine one year to uh, go up and buy this. Property in Northern Virginia. How and much?
1: Uh, how much wine did your mom have to drink to say yes <laughs> that to that deal? Right.
2: <laughs> I think though. Also, my dad had just shifted from going to an office on a daily basis to running his uh, business out of the home, okay. to which my mom was president of, and I think it was in a way for her to get him out of the house a little bit, and <laughs> out of her hair, which she had been a stay-at-home mom for 15 years. Okay. And all of a sudden, he's home. She's working with him day to day, and everybody needs to. He needs break, right? Do. Sure. Yeah. So uh, so it took on a life of its own, and um, coming back to Central Virginia had a lot to do. and My dad went to school here in the '60s, graduated from UVA in the '69. and I started attending here in 2000. Uh, and then when my brother um, got accepted in to attend the uh, fall of 2002, that was sort of enough incentive to maybe start shifting things up north so.
1: And what was it about Lovingston? You know, you hear there's, um, when you look at Virginia, when you look at um, all the AVAs within Virginia, the American Viticultural Areas, there's so many different slopes, terroirs throughout the state. What was it so attractive, uh, about 45 minutes south of Charlottesville, about that particular property?
2: It really, he did look forever from, from northern Charlottesville area, all through Albemarle, all through Nelson and beyond. And I think it had everything that he could convince my mom to move to from a a fairly um, uh, urban suburban lifestyle in Atlanta to a farm in uh, Nelson County. The, the land price was right. The ability to put in a solid amount of acreage, but also the, uh, the proximity to the Charlottesville uh, community. And, um, the, the slope that we had there, um, he finally found it's, it's 650 to 850 elevation, just a beautiful planting site. And it had, as because it had not been planted as anything or even had trees growing on it, it had eroded over the centuries. And so the soil there is extremely poor, just beautiful for growing these grapevines. Because um, those that don't know, grapes like to struggle. Exactly, exactly. They need to dig those roots down mm-hmm. deeply and and find all the good stuff in the soil. So um, really well-draining soils as well. Ex- mm-hmm. Very much so, very much so. And, uh, and so it was kind of a, a culmination of all of those factors together that led him to Lovingston. So... Um, And the rest is history. And the rest is history. So not much has changed in Lovingston since we moved. It's (laughs) it's still, I think they were numbers 100 and 101 of actual residents of Lovingston. Um, And I don't think it's, I think actually the population has decreased since they moved out there. So it's it's a, it's a nice, slow pace of life, yes. um, but it's been an adjustment for, for all of our family to do that. So.
1: <laughs> well, I'm excited to talk about the wine portfolio. You have uh, plenty of varieties that you're offering, and we're going to actually sample the little pinotage and talk about that coming up after the short break. Stay with us. You're listening to Crystal Pallets Wine Country on Seville 107.5 and 1260 WCHV.
0: Wine Studio, understanding our world through wine and our part in that world. Wine Studio is a Twitter-based beverage education program produced by certified sommelier Tina Mori, who's worked in the food and wine industry for over 20 years. Wine Studio is grassroots marketing for beverage brands, regional organizations, PR firms, all who would like to reach millions each weekly session. Wine Studio also benefits tasting participants who meet winemakers, taste exciting wines, and become involved with beverage cultures from all over the world. Follow the Twitter hashtag Wine Studio. That's hashtag Wine Studio. Tuesdays, 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and join the conversation. For more information, visit winestudiotina.weebly.com.
1: And welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for staying with us. If you're just tuning in, though, Stephanie Wright from Lovingston Winery is in studio with me today. And uh, we had a great conversation talking about the history of the vineyard. And uh, they're located about 45 minutes south of Charlottesville. So I encourage you to go take a trip down there and taste some of their wonderful wines. And speaking of tasting wonderful wines, we're going to kind of dive into uh, one of your reds. And I thought this was, this really caught my attention uh, as a sommelier because you're doing, you're one of, I think, two or three in the state that are growing Pinot Top. Correct. And Pinotage, for Mm -hmm. our listeners, is a a varietal from South Africa, Mm -hmm. and it's actually a crossing. It's a vinifera crossing between Pinot Noir and Cinco. And I thought this would be a really cool conversation to have because, you know, when I moved to Virginia a little over 10 years ago, people were, dessert wines? Great. White wines? Okay. Red wines? Like the brakes went on, like, oh, we can't do good red wines here. But we're really making a name for ourselves, uh, particularly with the Bordelais varietals, uh, Cap Mm -hmm. Franc, Petit Verdot. But Pinotage is a very intriguing, obscure grape. And I thought this was so cool, Stephanie, and I'm going to let you talk all about this in a second, is that this was the first label under lovingston is a pinotage
2: mm-hmm. so That's tell exactly. us about
1: the inspiration
2: behind diving into such an obscure product yeah well um our head winemaker Rian Rousseau um is originally from south africa and has grown up with working with pinotage working in with a lot of the the varietals that do so well down there and um we sort of stumbled upon the fact that there was a little bit of this pinotage growing in gordonsville um only about a third of an acre and uh and at the time, in 2005, when we were getting ready to produce our own reds and our winery had just been constructed, um, this sort of fell into our laps as a, as a way to, to try out something completely different. We had Merlot and Cabernet Franc growing at the time. Um, a lot of people do. The Pinotage was something encouraged by Rian to, to just see what we can do. Mm-hmm. And um, we harvested that, that fruit ourselves that year, brought it in. Produced, I think it was 100 to 150 cases, and, and released it under our our own Lovingston name, and that was the first wine to go out the door, and just sold out in no time, six months or so. Um, and it was such an odd thing, and it it, it gives you this Pinot Noir characteristic. It kind of gives you this this pretty fruit, um, but it gives you a bit of an earthiness, a bit of, a, of an oomph on the back end there that's just not typically seen in a lot of Pinot Noirs. Mm-hmm. And you don't see Pinot Noir really growing in Virginia either. There's um, very few places. and Ankita has really been the hallmark exactly. of Pinot Noir, and it's because of their elevation. Exactly. And um, and they're very recent on the scene. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. Pinotage, we were hoping, was sort of um, a bridge between not growing Pinot Noir at all or um, or growing Pinot Noir itself. And our vineyard site for sure cannot handle Pinot Noir. Can you speak to mm-hmm. um and if,
1: if you have the I know you, you help out uh, yes. Rihanna's assistant winemaker to Sinso, which is the crossing with a Pinot Noir. Now Pinot Noir requires kind of usually a cooler microclimate, mm-hmm. tends to do
2: better as you know mountain fruit. Uh, but the Sinso, does that make it a little more hardy? It does, and that's actually the reason it was crossed in South Africa um, when it was, was it was trying to to have Pinot Noir be able to grow in the climate and soils of South Africa. Um, and it's Sinso it, you don't really see as a varietal. Anywhere, um, it's it's not usually um, it's a, it's a little bit rougher, a little earthier, mm-hmm. um, a little interesting to work with. Um, but it, it and you think about the climate in South Africa and you think about the climate here in Central Virginia and how completely different they are, the soil types, the all of the microclimates, and this Pinot Noir or this Pinotage. The, what comes off of off of our site is a lot more of that Pinot Noir side, mm-hmm. rather than a little bit of the more rustic side, which a lot of people kind of put the brakes on Pinotage at all because of what they're tasting in what's exported here. so And if you've had a chance,
1: mm-hmm. listeners are listening in right now, if you've had a chance to have Pinotage, it is a love-hate relationship. People love it, or they mm-hmm. hate it, typically from the South Africa, the South African style, and that's because a lot of, unfortunately, what's exported to America is not the highest quality, with so many other things as well. Correct. Um, like a lot of Pinot Grigios, for example, you get the watered-down versions, you don't get these great nuances mm-hmm. uh, from Veneto.
2: Exactly. Um, but speaking of Pinotage, we have the 2014, Correct. and this is Josie's Knoll, right? Yes, this okay. is actually called Gilbert's Vineyard. Gilbert oh, was my okay. grandfather um and he was instrumental in in moving boulders well into his 80s and and oh taking goodness. care of vines and things like that, so he lived Kept on the a property, young, right? Yeah, so he was yes. he was phenomenal. So with yes. everything he did, Gilbert's great, uh, right? Exactly, to Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but so this mm-hmm. uh, this was taken. Um, we took cuttings from that vineyard in Gordonsville, okay, and sent them off to a nursery and had them grafted on rootstock and then got those back. So this was planted in 07. First vintage came in in 2010, and so here we are in the 2014 vintage and our our evolution of how the Pinotage. Has developed has been huge, um, so we get much less of this gamey, earthy, mm-hmm. funky, rough uh, kind of side of it, and a lot more of a of a soft cherry elegance, mm-hmm. um, purity of fruit. That's what we're going for. So. And uh,
1: Stephanie just poured a glass, so cheers, Stephanie. Cheers.
2: There there we go. You got to do that. So
1: love the sound of clinking glasses, right? Um, but let's uh, let's put our let's uh, let's get the aromatic profile on this. And for mm-hmm. full disclosure, I have not had your Pinotage before, mm-hmm. um, and that was one thing I was really excited to talk to you about. So you just poured a glass. It hasn't been decanted. So it's been right. open for maybe about fifteen minutes or mm-hmm. so. And as I'm swirling my glass, I am getting a lot of Pinot-like characteristics. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got that. So definitely the cherry cherry is very predominant but that almost like an underlying of kind of like a crazen kind of note definitely um, some soft raspberry like a summer ripe raspberry absolutely, absolutely. Um, this
2: particular vintage the 2014 um we don't get a lot of the the super savory notes there's herbal but there's mm-hmm. not it's not the overpowering that we've had in the past or that you can kind of see sometimes in some of the uh, the other pinotage um you can get your hands on but it's and it's, a, it's it's kind of like an underlying
1: nuance. It's mm-hmm. not... The fruit is definitely... It's very fruit forward. You get some soft vanilla in there too. But I like that it's almost this... Um, kind of this grilled meat component to it but Mm -hmm. if you think of like a Buki Garni uh, Mm -hmm. lamb chops marinated and rosemary I'm kind of getting that grilled herb quality to it as a as kind of a hint underneath as a Mm -hmm. backbone to the fruit exactly and the palate um, so I wanted to mention if you haven't had a Pinotage yet one thing that really um, kind of stands out for a lot of people especially the South African style the the less expensive ones tend to have this really uh, strong acetone quality which is very Mm off-putting and I'm not getting any of that in this glass excellent that's Uh, Hoping not so. <laughs> and I,
2: I'm almost. You don't do carbonic carbonic maceration on this, do you? We have tried it in the past, okay. um, and we were not pleased with the results. Okay. We, we prefer actually. What we were discovering is we we have had this this pinotage and the yeast strains we use from South Africa um, can tend to spike very high temperatures. Okay. Um, and so we have to be a little bit careful of that. But what we're discovering is we're in doing some trials in the past couple of years. Um, some of the pinotage that we have allowed to spike a little higher. We're liking those profiles better, mm-hmm. um, and and it's just a, it's fascinating to see what those differences were. And the only difference, yeast strain, exactly the same uh, barrel treatment, same acre of vines, mm-hmm. um, and just happen to be in a warmer. Uh, environment to, to ferment. Um, and the reason the reason I asked that,
1: mm-hmm. uh, carbonic maceration is what's used uh, in Beaujolais to make the wines really fruity and kind mm-hmm. of almost sometimes gives it the bubblegum characteristic mm-hmm. and um, that tutti fruity kind of quality. And not that this has that, but there is this like hint of really juicy fruit right in there. Sweetness sweetness it. Mm-hmm. But exactly it, But it finishes
2: very dry. Yes, mm-hmm. it does. And, and it, it's definitely, um, th- we have tried actually carbonic on pretty much everything we have in our mm-hmm. cellar okay. I mean, whites all the way through to reds. Um, and we've been extremely pleased with some of them and extremely not. And this was a huge example of where carbonic wasn't going to work okay. great for us. Um, so we do, we do basically, it's about a two week or so one, one to two week ferment on the skins, um, press it a little bit before it's finished, um, and finish it off in barrel. But, um, but we're really just loving the, the softness, the, the elegance. And we, this only a neutral oak. At this point, okay. we really are a, a neutral program. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we really haven't brought in new oak barrels since 2010. Um, so we're we're sort of. Giving the the varietal characteristic all it can give us. So this is a hundred percent Pinotage in bottle,
1: and it's very approachable. I think this is just a, a really beautiful crowd pleaser. You know, mm-hmm. really kind of if you're just going to a potluck party or something, you need a easy going red that's not going to exactly. dominate the food. Uh, but you know, you get the fruit in there, you've got a little bit of that, a touch of the herbal quality, some mm-hmm. smokiness in there. I, I noticed the tannins have really nice kind of pliant structure to them. It's very uh, much you know so. they're a little There's bit more nothing aggressive. Nothing aggressive about it, but mm-hmm. it's a little bit more mouthfeel than a typical Pinot. Exactly, mm-hmm. and the acidity is. Really mouthwatering. It's a really nice yeah. uh, on its own, or it'd be a great food wine as mm-hmm. well. And I'm thinking, beautiful charcuterie plate would be just a yep. genius match with this. We
2: are we're doing a little bit of a of a whole berry ferment in with our, okay. our crush. It's not uh, the 2014; it was much less than what we're doing now. But it. Uh, but I, I do think that the the fruit quality and the softness of tannin can be attributable to that as well.
1: And what's the price point on the
2: Pinotage? So this one is around uh, retail, about $24 to $25. That is a a great value
1: for a really good, solid Red noir wine, Pinot Noir-esque wine. <laughs> wine. You're not going to find a high-end Pinot for Correct. under $30. Correct. And mm-hmm. this is something that if you love Pinot Noirs, this is going to fit that bill for you. Exactly. It's a really mm-hmm. nice yeah. site. I encourage you to check out their website. And it's LovingstonWinery.com, Correct. Right? Yes. Um, before we go, I have uh, two other things I want to talk about with your red collection. So mm-hmm. we
2: talked a little bit about a paying homage GVA at the beginning of the show. Yes. And I understand you have a, a red blend that we does that. We do. Our Rotunda Red. So this has been a blend for us since our first year in 05. It has literally changed Every single year for what goes into said blend, um, but it's our most popular sell and it's a a high quality to to solid price point it averages anywhere between. It's some some shelves. It's $17 up to $21 or okay. so, um, but it's just our general go-to red blend, and it can be comprised of Pinotage, of Merlot, of Cabernet Franc, of Petit Verdot, um, anything that we're growing and, and that we have to play around with in the year, and uh, and it's just it's a fun wine. But our my dad is a UVA grad. I am my husband, my brother. Wahoo! Um, right? Wahoo! Exactly. <laughs> so we're uh, it's our it's our one orange and blue label. So nice. in our lineup. So uh, but it's it's oh, our it's funny exactly I
1: remember seeing that label, and I was like, why is that orange and blue and the mm-hmm. other ones aren't? So exactly. That so that's sense. our, our, little, our yes. little nod to the UVA scene. So, so since we are in Charlottesville, UVA fans out there, you know, exactly. looking for a good red for tailgating mm-hmm. in the fall. I know we've got a ways so. to go. Grab Usually a to drown your sorrows
2: rather well, than be very well, celebratory. Well, you know, but it's are getting n- there. <laughs> We're getting it's there. It's a new year. It's a <laughs> it's brand right. new year, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. We'll take it.
1: <laughs> and then uh, one other thing I wanted to mention as far as your red portfolio is your Cabernet Franc. And this is something that... Uh, a sommelier and a wine educator really excites me about Virginia Reds. Cabernet Franc from the eastern shore of Virginia to the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains to northern Virginia. We are doing some phenomenal things with this grape. Talk a little bit about yours.
2: So we're in love with our Cabernet Franc right now. Um, it's We're in, our, in 15 years or so of growth with our Cabernet Franc. Our vines, they're original, um, and they're just giving us a beautiful fruit, better than they've ever have. Um, we're putting those in neutral oak, all the Cabernet Franc in neutral, except we have now... Um, Uh, brought in one of the large uh, Italian casks, um, which holds approximately the amount of six barrels um, that we're housing our Cabernet Franc in as well for for sort of a gentle aging idea. But the Cabernet Franc is going to be more towards like our Pinotage, soft, elegant fruit, um, clean, very little on the the big, there's no big tannin whatsoever, um, nothing crazy on the acid. It's just a, a really elegant, just pretty Cabernet Franc. And what we've discovered is that's what our vineyard site wants to give us. We're never going to get the big, heavy-hitter Cabernet that people mm-hmm. think. When they hear Cabernet, they automatically go to Cab Sauve and they think that it's supposed to be this massive beast of a wine. That's just not what ours is meant to be and, and the, I think a
1: lot of them when they're done right and I, I haven't had yours yet yes. but uh, they're ethereal they're graceful they're mm-hmm. that medium-bodied uh, beautiful exactly. wine that is just like
2: perfect at your dinner table exactly nothing that's going to overpower your food mm-hmm. um, that's why we put them now in burgundy bottles is, that's the style it's soft it's pretty it's so you're elegant. trying uh, like this little uh,
1: subliminal message to
2: consumers exactly. that this is going to be a little and bit you'll more you'll pinotage after the 2014 vintage that will also be going in the burgundy bottles oh, so. very cool Yeah, well, we'll
1: have to have you back on and talk more about those things there's so much Absolutely. this time goes by so fast <laughs> yes. before I let you You go talk
2: a little bit about your location tasting hours. Yes, so we are one mile off of Highway 29, just past Nelson County High School. Our hours are right now, January through March, on Saturdays only from 11 to 5. Um, But then regularly, starting April 1st, is our kind of official opening weekend for the year. And it's Wednesdays through Fridays from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., and Saturdays and Sundays from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. So it's very basic. You're in the middle of the winery, nothing fancy, but you get a full education and experience when yeah. there. $5 for tastings? Yes, $5 for tastings. Okay, perfect. Stephanie, thanks so much for stopping by. Appreciate it. it's I really so appreciate it. much I appreciate it. So thanks so much.
1: Wonderful. Look forward to going and uh, get a little charcuterie platter after this to pair with the rest <laughs> of the pinotage. Uh, coming up next, our friend Joe Thomas. He had filed a special report for us about the Keurig of wines. He's at the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, and we'll be uh, hearing from him in just a moment.
0: Joe? Crystal, this is a special report from the Consumer Electronics Show because I know that your show is about consuming great wine. Uh, the folks from Divine are here uh, with their 10 Vins system. Thibaut Jarousse uh, is here with us. Thibaut, uh, explain the uh, 10 Vins uh, system to our listeners.
3: Hi, uh, very nice to meet you. So, uh, oh, yes. Divine. <laughs> uh, thank you very much.
0: See, a couple of glasses of wine, I forget my manners.
3: <laughs> exactly. So, uh, in fact, it's very easy. Uh, You have some friends at home, you give them the wine list at the the restaurant and uh, it's uh, small bottles of wine in uh, small tubes. Each tube is one glass and uh, the machine is going uh, to pour the tube at the perfect temperature and aeration. So each uh, tube has a RFID tag on it to tell the machine how uh, you should serve the wine. The machine is going to punch it to make a hole and after you will have uh, uh, the cooling down or the machine is going to warm up and to higher the equivalent of three hours as if it was made by a sommelier. So, so this is really a, a technological advance for somebody who
0: may just want a glass of wine with dinner. They don't need to open a whole bottle of wine. They may not drink it that frequently. And you buy an individual, a series of different wines. You can have a red one night, a white another night. And it knows to chill it to just the right temperature and aer- aerated. It.
3: Yeah, exactly. You know, you come back uh, from work and you say, okay, I would like a glass of Chardonnay. You take your small glass that you bought from our website, you put it in the divine, and in one minute, you get Chardonnay perfect at 12 degrees Celsius.
0: So, now, is this available in the United States yet?
3: So, if you order it uh, now, you will be delivered uh, this summer. Uh, And uh, next week, we are in California to select, uh, with five wineries, uh, Napa and Sonoma wines.
0: Well, you got to try Virginia. We are the Napa of the East now. We've got some great wineries there, and this would be a huge hit, uh, especially in some of the college towns in Virginia. So, you order the wine you know, uh, cylinders from you as well. So, you have a. An, a how, how extensive is your wine cellar,
3: if you will? Uh, in fact, so you will be able uh, to order directly uh, from our website and be delivered this summer uh, from the small uh, wine tubes uh, in the United States. So uh, there are 35 different kinds of wine, and uh, we are looking forward to getting uh, 100 uh, in uh, one or two years.
0: And are they all different wineries, uh, yeah, v- vineyards?
3: So and we have also a uh, Grand Cru from France. So for expensive bottles, if you don't want to spend uh, 100 dollars to buy a Grand Cru, at least uh, you can spend uh, 10 or 15 uh, to get the best glass of wine from French Grand Cru, or to spend uh, three or dollars to have a very premium wine that you wouldn't open a bottle uh, instead of.
0: So, so where is the goal? I know your marketing materials say this is the Keurig for wine and eventually as the Keurig got more and more popular, more and more coffee makers said we want to be in your packaging. Is that uh, you know, something, a goal of Divine is to get all the wineries or as many as they can to be making wine by the glass in these cylinders to, to market with your machine?
3: In fact, we want to keep it simple because... Uh, uh, we have only, uh, for example, uh, one uh, or two Malbec, uh, two or three shearers and so on. And uh, if you have uh, 500 uh, references of wine, it can be very hard for consumer uh, to choose. And we we want to make it easy for people who are not experts in wine okay, okay. To, to to get the best of uh, expertise of French sommelier, but in an easy way. So uh, it's, uh, it's really uh, a matter not to have too much wine, to keep it simple. 100 is a good number for us.
0: So, so do you market this only from your website, or in France, do you have, like, can, can you go into a store and buy this?
3: In France, you can go in department store, for example, Gary Lafayette, and maybe, uh, maybe in United States, we'll be able to do so in a few months.
0: Well, because I was going to ask, if you're looking for a distributor, I've got some free time in the afternoons.
3: Okay, <laughs> and you can also make the selection with us.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much, Thibault. Uh, the website again is?
3: is uh, divine uh, d-v-i-e dot yep. f-r so
0: welcome to the united states it's a brilliant idea can i finish the glass of wine you made for me
3: yeah and the uh, cheers and uh i hope that you will be able to uh, de- to taste uh, uh, american wine in few weeks oh
0: and there's some good ones you've got to come to virginia Crystal, this is awesome because, you know, it only takes a second to get this tube to the right temperature, aerated, and into your glass. It is amazing. This is Joe Thomas reporting for Crystal Pallets Wine Country.
1: Hey, thanks so much for that special report, Joe. I know it was a tough assignment. If you'd like more information, that website, again, is d-vine.fr or 10-vine.com. That's 10-vine.com. A big thanks to our sponsor for January Wine Studio. It is a Twitter-based education program that airs every tuesday on twitter at 9 p.m eastern time and this month it's all about german wine so join the conversation tuesday nights 9 p.m eastern time on twitter hashtag wine studio thanks for joining me in crystal palettes wine country this week i look forward to being back with you next saturday in the meantime to check out past episodes head over to crystal and click on the podcast tab on the top of the page here's to a great weekend filled with love laughter and fabulous wine cheers Thank mm-hmm. you.